Hello, and welcome to the Keepers of the Flame podcast. This is a show to shine a light into the darkness, to empower women, their support networks, and our communities to weather breast cancer, because together we weather the storm. But on this ocean, every wave brings you closer to home. And no matter what you think, you are never. Hello and welcome back to Keepers of the Flame podcast. I'm Joyce Williams, your host, and this is episode number 13, Trauma and PTSD with Breast Cancer. Breast cancer is one of the most scariest things that someone can have to go through in their life. The emotions that rise with a diagnosis and the treatments, they are all legit. They are all real. They're all very powerful and healing from these emotional wounds is just as real and just as needed as healing physically. Sometimes these emotions that we experience can get overwhelming to the point where they're just unbearable. We can get triggered and thrown right back into reliving a trauma that we experienced with this journey. And in some cases, something called PTSD can develop. And in today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit further about what trauma and PTSD are and how they relate with a breast cancer diagnosis. I know that I used to think that if I heard PTSD, I immediately thought of people that fought in a war and experiencing that hardship. But it's not exclusive to war zones. It's for any trauma. But we are going to talk about what that means here today. And to do that, we have a very special guest. Again, we are going to welcome back Ashley Moore. She was here and visited us in episode four when we talked about emotional healing. Ashley is a marriage and family therapist in Pooler, Georgia. She's the owner and therapist at the Building Blocks Family Counseling. And she and her colleagues, this is coming up soon, but her colleagues created a curriculum. And the course is called Making Lemonade. The entire purpose of it is designed specifically for breast cancer patients, those that are currently undergoing treatment, the survivors, and also those that are living with stage four metastatic breast cancer. No matter where you are in your journey or no matter the diagnosis, the purpose of this class is to help teach the strategies and tools needed to tend to the emotional wounds that inevitably rise. She did visit us and talk about emotional healing in general with episode number four. And in that episode, we talked about that hidden, that sometimes silent wound that accompanies the diagnosis, those emotional wounds. And we talked about how we wanted women to know two things. One, they are not alone. That this emotional element, it is part of the cancer journey too. And then two, what can you do about it? So if you missed episode number four, go back, check it out. It has a pretty powerful message with some incredibly useful information. In today's episode, we're going to take this a step further, and we're going to hone in on a particular element of this emotional journey. Today, we're going to talk about trauma and how it relates to breast cancer diagnosis and or the treatments that follow them. We're also going to get a better understanding on how PTSD, how it can develop, what the signs and criteria are, 
and what people can do when they're faced with that additional challenge. Well, thank you so much for joining us here today, Ashley. We're really happy to have you back. So welcome. Thanks. There seems to still be a need for, I guess, more awareness out there about that recovering from breast cancer is not just recovering from those physical hurdles, but also the emotional ones as well. Let's just dive in and talk about trauma in general. What What is trauma and then how does a cancer diagnosis qualify? So trauma is kind of just a, basically a negative experience for people. So it can be something that's inducing stress, or they feel like they're in danger. You know, a lot of times we hear like with PTSD or trauma is with a lot of military people or you know, maybe even like sexual assault victims, things like that. But it also is can occur in other things too, whether you maybe have witnessed trauma happening to someone else, but you were there firsthand, or, you know, especially with considering like a cancer diagnosis and treatment, trauma of going through that experience, opening that kind of door as far as like, you know, safety, your life being in danger, and then kind of trauma as far as the experiences that kind of go with treatment. So it can either, the trauma can either be the idea and the emotions that are accompanied with something that's frightening like that, or the actual experience of having gone through one of the... So usually, so we really talk about traumas like the experiences and then kind of what happens after that is your reaction to the the trauma a lot of times. So if somebody's experienced a trauma, and and then in this case we're talking about breast cancer, then one of two things can happen. Because not everybody that has a traumatic experience develops PTSD. So they can either, if they have experienced a traumatic event, in this case breast cancer, they can either experience those intense emotions and kind of have to wade through them and process Mm. through, or PTSD can develop, which we'll talk about that in a moment. But just because you say PTSD, it doesn't mean that everybody that has had a traumatic experience has that. But that being said, regardless, if you've experienced something that's that difficult, I just want to say here that it can be very helpful to reach out anyway, Mm -hmm. whether it's PTSD or not. Therapy is kind of invaluable and it's worth reaching out whether or not it's a PTSD diagnosis or not. I um, actually read somewhere that one out of three that are exposed to trauma develop PTSD. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that difference when trauma becomes post-traumatic stress disorder. First of all, we're just kind of talking here, educating and informing. We're not diagnosing anybody here. Right. So if somebody's yeah. feeling any of these things, you know, I encourage them to contact their medical provider or their own therapist. But this is just to kind of give an idea of yeah. the educational element of it. So PTSD, what is, what is the name of this book? And then what is, so PTSD is, is a diagnosis and a lot of all the mental health diagnoses come from the DSM, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. So we call it the DSM for short. And the current version is DSM-5. So they come up with new additions, however, so many years. Right. And that kind of gives all the criteria to base some of these diagnoses off of. And PTSD is no longer in what it used to be an anxiety disorder. Right. Yeah. And so now they've moved it. In each kind of edition, they end up changing a few things. But now they have a 
So they have different categories, and this one is in the trauma and stress-related disorders instead of just an anxiety disorder. So there's other ones that are in this different kind of category are reactive attachment. So it's a lot of like stress or trauma-related dis- disorders that we see. So some people will have trauma, but they may have a different disorder. It won't just be PTSD too. So. Okay. So let's talk about that, the criteria then. So the first, the first criteria is they, in order to be diagnosed with PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder, somebody has to have experienced a traumatic event, mm-hmm. which we kind of already went over, you know, what, what that is. The second criteria, criteria B, they talk about intrusive symptoms. What is that? Explain that to us. So it's basically kind of almost re-experiencing the event. So whether it's unwanted thoughts, nightmares, you know, you have like a physical reaction to being exposed to different things. So it's it's these intrusive system symptoms. So a lot of times in kids, this will be like nightmares. Like they'll have right. night really bad nightmares. For adults, it may be, you know, they have flashbacks or certain things will trigger a physical reaction for them. And it's in relation to the trauma that they experienced. So it can manifest differently, but the idea here is that there's some kind of intrusive thought. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay, so they have to have a trauma, they have to be experiencing those intrusive thoughts, and then the next criteria C is avoidance. So what is is that one? (laughs) So usually that's avoiding something that's related to the trauma or can bring back up feelings of the trauma you know maybe it's an external kind of reminders but it also could be something internal like you're you're avoiding talking about the trauma a lot of times or you know trying to deal with your feelings that come up with it so a lot of times it could be or you avoid like external places that remind you of the trauma too so I get that like avoiding wanting to go see a particular person or a place Mm -hmm. or doing a particular thing. Me, I hate going to the doctor. But then I thought that was interesting. Like, so thoughts, thoughts and feelings too. Does avoiding, avoiding those certain thoughts, is that part of avoidance? Yeah, because then you're trying to, basically it's avoiding things that were related to the trauma. So like talking about it, because that's going to bring up most likely negative thoughts and feelings that you have because of the trauma. And so a lot of people, instead of trying to deal with it and process it, will avoid, you know, to kind of not bring it up and think about it. I'd rather not think about it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So criteria, the next criteria D is negative alterations in cognitions and mood. And I think it says that you need two of these Mm -hmm. required in order to qualify for that, that PTSD diagnosis. What is, what is that meaning? The negative alterations in cognitions and mood. So that's really looking at like, if you have any kind of decreased mood, so maybe things that interest you before don't interest you anymore. Um, maybe have difficulty like being positive. A lot of times there's like an isolating feeling. Blaming themselves. Blaming, a lot of blame. Um, I've heard that happens a lot with um, breast cancer patients mm-hmm. too. Like I should have I should have done this and then I would have never gotten cancer to begin with. Right. But. And trying to search for like reasoning of why things happened. So then there's a lot of blame on themselves or like other people. Sometimes even like memory things, like inability to recall certain things from the trauma. Then you kind of have very, almost like a very negative self worldview of yourself or also the world. It just, so a lot of these to me are, so it's mood. So think of your mood changing because of the trauma and then cognition would be and what thoughts have changed because of the trauma. And you have to have two of those 
and they they can be any kind of them, any but of those combinations just two to kind of meet that. Is this too. like the whole the world looks different view, like it used to be all sunshines and rainbows, and now mm. you might have rainbows, but they're not really pretty colored rainbows. Right, they're right. dark and yeah. dreary. Yeah, yeah. So you kind of have almost a negative kind of outlook now, whereas before you experienced a trauma, it wasn't like that. Right. Okay, so, so far we have that you have to have a trauma, that you have to have those intrusive thoughts, avoidance, and now this negative mood or way of thinking. Mm -hmm. And then the next criteria is alterations in arousal and reactivity, and it says two required. What is what is this criteria? So this is where people maybe have a hard time sleeping, eating, they can't concentrate, maybe they're more irritable or even aggressive. Um, I've also seen this is where like people can get kind of hyper vigilant, like, you know, very overly cautious about things or, you know, kind so of So I get that with, um, like, we talk about how, you know, PTSD, when I heard PTSD, you think military combat. Right, right, so right. I think, you know, hyper vigilance would be mm-hmm. like you hear, you know, a loud noise and immediately, right. duck, you know, want to duck and cover. So, but taking hyper vigilance and trying to see it from uh, breast cancer viewpoint, is that kind of the same as maybe um, being overly concerned that every bump, every pain might be reoccurrence mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. trying to do, well, if I do X, Y, and Z this way, then I can keep it away kind of thing. Right. So it's probably going above and beyond what maybe your doctors recommend to prevent or to, you know, decrease the likelihood that you're going to get cancer again. And part of the things that of PTSD is a lot of this, because of this trauma, it's our body's way of telling us we're not safe. We need to be on the lookout. And so we need to over kind of compensate on these areas. And so that's why, you know, well, if I had cancer before and I didn't do this, so now I'm never going to do that again or, you know, right. or whatever it is. So, so then that's our bodies and brains trying to like figure that out. But then sometimes it, it becomes so we're over kind of taking it too far where we're hyper vigilant right. or we're not doing things we used to do, enjoy doing because of whatever, you know. And right. so then it kind of is where every little thing, then you have to run the doctor because you're afraid it's cancer, you know, right, and stuff like right. that. So part of that is living, it's a little bit of like that living in fear. Right. So you're kind of like very on high alert at all times. Right. That makes sense. I could totally see that. Right, right. Which is, you know, part of that is, well, that's because of what happened, but also that's a hard way to live for a long time. Well, the, it's very the goal, exhausting. Yes, yeah. it is exhausting. So the goal would be obviously to move past that, right, which right. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. but. Okay, so those are the, the biggest categories, but then there's a few others that are just kind of um, making sure that, okay, so like duration, that mm-hmm. the, the, these symptoms that's lasting more than a month, because after any trauma, I guess it would make sense for a certain period of time mm-hmm. to be experiencing those. This is more of like prolonged, like it hasn't stopped. Right. Generally, you have to look for, you know, because a lot of times everybody, if something happens like this, they have a, it's a normal reaction. When it starts to go on, so theirs is, they talk about for more than a month, or what I really look at, when it's impeding your, like, everyday life, so you're having issues at your job or your relationships or whatever, 
then it's a problem. Uh, so then you kind of want to look at the length of time people have been experiencing this. Right. Yeah. So the length and then is it creating distress? Mm-hmm. And then the last criteria is basically ruling out anything else that, that it's not caused by. These symptoms right. that you're experiencing aren't caused by something else. Right. And yeah. then, so when you piece all of that together, those are the criteria according to the, what is it, DSM? DSM. The DSM-5 mm-hmm. of, of what, when trauma becomes um, post-traumatic stress. And just to reiterate that PTSD, that it can be caused by medical Yeah, trauma. Oh, definitely, for sure. That was that was news to me. I, yeah. I, I remember when I first heard PTSD, I, I just, my mind automatically went to, well, I'm not in a war, like right. that, it, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> Well, and I think that's been more of a new thing we've been really seeing, like, and there's some research out about that, because PTSD typically is associated with military, rape victim, you know, any kind of that kind of stuff, maybe childhood trauma Mm -hmm. and things like that. But I think there's been some more research, you know, in the last few years of how medical illnesses or you know, things like that can cause, can create PTSD and how they're affected. So I've uh, interviewed a number of women and I keep hearing very, very similar things. What is um, emotional numbing? So that's kind of one of the things when we talk about like avoidance, it's like you become numb to any emotions. And so you don't have really negative emotions, but you don't really have happy ones either. You're just kind of there right (laughs) and so a lot of times our body does that to protect us because we don't want to feel the negative ones but what ends up happening is then we kind of don't feel the other ones either is emotional numbing also like is it a choice like if i i don't know stay really busy or if i decide i want an extra glass of wine every single night or whatever like are those like choices that you're making to try to numb so that you are not feeling yeah. So I think it could be both. It could be, it's probably initially our body does a lot of things, you know, you may hear some people that have PTSD or go through a trauma, like blackout or not remember certain parts. And that's like our body and brain protecting us. But also there's an extent to where we don't want to feel those things. So we choose to do behaviors that numb us to that, whether it's drink or stay busy or just avoid. Because right. it's easier feelings. sometimes right. to, not, yeah. to not feel it because it's really not pleasant. Right. There's, um, I was reading that there's a, a subtype, the dissociative PTSD subtype, and they said that it was um, basically you have all the PTSD criteria, but then you have high levels of depersonalization. What is that? Well, so dissociative disorder, which is a whole other disorder, but it's in the movies, it's portrayed as like multi personalities. Ah, okay. And what they talk about is where you dissociate a little bit, like not just zoning out, but also like forgetting things you don't have memories or not feeling like you're kind of in yourself Mm -hmm. which is really hard to describe but so this is only more extreme cases I mean we don't really see I mean realistically a lot of dissociative disorders Mm -hmm. but sometimes what I've seen is most of the dissociation is happening like in the trauma like when people black out or they don't remember something happened or they have recovered memories kind of thing, that kind of stuff. So so talking about PTSD in general, when when does it typically develop? Is it immediately following the event, like years later, all of the above? What it it can be delayed. There have been some, you know, depending on the event and the age of the person or just their own kind of mental health and personality, there is a delayed onset sometimes. You know, we see a lot of times like 
kids may experience a trauma, but then it's delayed when they're older, you know, then they start having symptoms. So it just really depends on the person and kind of the situation. I mean, typically you can have a traumatic event and then start experiencing those things pretty soon after. We don't consider it necessarily post-traumatic stress until it's been a month or so. Right. But it could be, you know, I've had some people have an event and then come back six months later and start having symptoms because they either haven't dealt with it or they've been pushing it off. That's a big thing is dealing with it. I've talked to so many women that are like, I I don't want to deal with it. So Mm -hmm. they stuff it down and and try to move on with life and pretending that it's not there and doesn't really work. Right. And they come out anyway. This stuff comes out. It does. And then it's like six months later. (laughs) Here it is. Yeah. So, I want to jump on this ladder rung here. What is post-traumatic growth? Give me some of that. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's what you, you're saying you want that? <laughs> I'm assuming it's a good thing. I don't know. Tell me, then I'll, then I'll clarify if I want it or not. <laughs> well, I, well, I think that is really particular, talking about how you can grow from the traumatic event. A lot, and there's a lot of research too talking about how trauma affects the brain, and that there's brain changes. And can you changing the brain by adding, you know, different synapses and things like that through therapy or mindfulness is a big piece right now. You know, all those right. things too. So, as post traumatic growth, is it like okay, maybe it's more than what I thought it was. I thought it was you just you've been through a traumatic experience of some kind, and then like pushing forward with. Okay, it may, have, it may have sucked, but then building good somehow from that. Mm-hmm. Is that... Is yeah, that... and that's a piece of it, too, because it's you... Because you think building real resiliency, right? That's right, a big right. kind of buzzword, too. But, like, from this traumatic event, having good come out of it, or you growing as a person and building that resiliency, and whether that's physical and mental growth, but also, gotcha. you know, kind of all those things. Yeah. So, Okay. So the rewiring the brain can help assist in that if it's if it's right, helping. Yeah. And there's been that's kind of the new thing with research now because part of PTSD is you know how it changes the brain and then how can you fix that you know and they're really looking at a lot of different things with that but I think part of it is how you can grow as a person past the trauma whether that's emotionally you know doing things you know to help other people that have gone through the trauma right. you know that kind of stuff too so. Yeah, okay, so sign me up for that one. Yeah. <laughs> Post-traumatic growth. So when when should someone seek help? So we're not we're not gonna like self-diagnose ourselves, mm-hmm. right? We right, might right. we might even try to deny that these memories and stuff are, mm-hmm. are in some ways debilitating and or think that it's our fault or we should be stronger or if only we would just stop or flip mm-hmm. the switch already, just be happy. So how can someone know that they should consider reaching out for help? I think when they start to feel, whether you have, I mean, in my opinion, whether you're having symptoms where you can be diagnosed or not, if you've had a trauma, you need someone to talk talk to yeah. about it. And a lot of times people don't feel like they can talk to friends or family because maybe they don't understand or they've heard it already and they feel like, oh, they're getting annoyed with me. You know, right. so part of it, I think, too, is and sometimes they're not very helpful, which creates right. more frustration. So I think. Whether you whatever kind of trauma you've had, you should talk to someone. Even if it's for a brief time just to process through right. the trauma and you're not really having any other symptoms. However, if you are, then you definitely need to do some kind of more long term therapy. There's groups, there's long term therapy. I mean, possibly even they do some 
medication for PTSD and usually that's more on a short-term basis until Mm -hmm. you kind of get some of the other skills to deal with some of the symptoms. But I think when a person feels like there's this is happening a lot or they're avoiding a lot of places they really need to go or like it's, it's affecting them. Yeah. yeah. It's having a, a life, big effect on their life. Then yeah. yeah, they need to. My best advice to anybody when I meet with somebody who's been newly diagnosed, mm-hmm. that's the, that's, that's actually what I tell them is before you start on your action plan in your, your physical journey mm-hmm. and you're like maybe at that tail end of your initial shock, yeah. like take, take control of that one thing and call and set up an appointment to speak with somebody. Right, 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 yeah. So, okay, why do some people develop it and not others? Does this come down to risk and resilience? Yeah, so, and there's a lot of research just about resiliency, what does that mean, how can, you know, the big thing is now how do you get your kids to be resilient and things like that, and a lot of it is the type of trauma that person's personality, their own mental health. You know, one of the things I've noticed is in, you know, especially with trauma is it creates, and maybe not even PTSD, but a lot of anxiety in people because they've lost that sense of control. Oh, I get that. And, and, yeah. and so, you know, which is a scary thing for anyone. And so I think it, it just depends on the person the type of trauma, you know, a lot of times they say witnessing a trauma versus you experiencing the trauma yourself, like it happening to you. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you'll hear guys that have gone to war zones and they didn't see, you know, experience anything, but they saw but they a lot saw and it. they're still right. just as traumatized. So there's some different opinions about that. But I think it's really depending on the person, your personality. Mm-hmm. If you already had maybe some underlying anxiety and stuff going on already, you know, there's a lot of people that already have a little depression and anxiety and then they have a traumatic event and then, you know, or, you know, sometimes it's just the experience and that has changed them somewhat too. I think some resilience factors would also include like, you know, we just said call and go and talk right. to somebody. If you seek Your out support, support and you mm-hmm. have and you have a place to go, you yeah. have social support, then that will all help with your resilience, some resilience factors. And then also like learning those coping strategies yeah. for how to deal with things in the, in the thick of it, which I want to talk real quick. You have a class coming up, Making Lemonade, where... Whether or not somebody has PTSD or not, if they have experienced a breast cancer diagnosis, be it they're in the beginning, they're going through it right now, or they're a survivor on the other end, or if they're living with metastatic PTSD or not, any and all of the above, um, you have a class coming up where they can learn those strategies. Tell us about making lemonade. Yeah, so we kind of got a curriculum together, and what I really like about this class is it's not your support group, right? I mean, we're here to really teach skills, okay. coping skills, to help people deal with this diagnosis through that journey. So obviously people will share their story, but it's really very skill-based, which right. is, I think, different than your typical kind of support group. And I think so, that's empowering. Yeah, instead. right. And so we'll have time to share stories and kind of talk about the trauma, but then it's how we can deal with those day-to-day when we're having flashbacks, when right. we're having nightmares, when we can't sleep, like, and giving some of those coping skills. Right. To, and then practicing that during the time. So, you know, a lot of that is just some mindfulness stuff, some stress reduction things. Um, we do a lot of, like, mindfulness practice here. I mean, there's apps and all kinds of stuff now for that that really just helps people, you know, like grounding exercises when they're in those moments and having some of these flashbacks or avoidance or things that they can kind of start to, like, not do those things right. and, and stay in the moment. So, so if you are feeling any of this... Um emotional wound, these emotional Mm -hmm. challenges that may rise, 
there are ways that you can address and handle it. And that's the whole point of the class right. is to help yeah. teach those, those skills. Yeah. Ideally we'll have people go through the class and walk away with a lot of coping skills that can really help deal with all the emotions that come with a breast cancer diagnosis. That's awesome. Well, we'll have information up on our website togetherweweather.org of how to contact yeah, you guys to sign up. And what is your website? If they want to go straight there, it's buildingblocks.solutions. Okay. Yeah, so they can go there and it has all the information on there too. Yeah. Okay. As far as PTSD goes, I know I had read that one out of three that are exposed to a trauma will develop PTSD, but then I also read that specifically talking about breast cancer, that one out of four that have a breast cancer diagnosis will have this added added Diagnose. struggle yeah. on yeah. top of it, which does not make cancer that any easier. Right. Okay, so we talk about how they can have those flashbacks or re-experiencing something that they may have been in, be it, I guess, the emotional yeah. aspect of it or the, the physical remembering being here with this particular mm. treatment and everything that comes with it. What What is a trigger? Like, what exactly? Explain what that means. And... So a trigger can be, it's something, it's usually an external stimuli that then triggers these memories or flashbacks of the trauma. So a lot of it is sounds, smells, something you see, you know, something that it kind of triggers that moment. Right. And it immediately puts right. you, puts you back there. And, yeah. 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 And I, um, I guess you don't really get to control when those things always right. happen. Exactly. Either. I like to, like, I would like yeah, to that, like, that, let, me, let me not go works. here yeah. because, but then that's, you know, yeah. that's part of the whole avoidance uh, part, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. So why then is breathing so important? Well, we talk a lot about breathing because really there's several different benefits to breathing. When you like are taking breaths and deep breaths, you're getting more oxygen to your brain, which helps calm you down which is helping you use the parts of your brain that are not fight or flight, right? Because when we have a trigger and it triggers this trauma, we want to fight or flight, right? Mm-hmm. And usually leave. <laughs> so that's right. where the avoidance comes in. But when we start to deep breathe, we're getting more oxygen to our brain, which is then helping the other parts of our brain kind of gain control. Get and we're back able to make balance. a better decision. Right. Yeah, yeah, and kind of recognize you know, come back to kind of the reality of the situation. It's almost like we can't, we can't access that part of our brain that allows us to make good decisions. We're in full panic mode, all this blood going to our vital organs and complete survival mode. And so when we breathe, that allows us to put it all back into equilibrium. Yes. Yeah. So if somebody has this post-traumatic stress disorder, does that put them at greater risk for other things like depression, anxiety, Yeah, typically what we see with trauma is if they have PTSD, then sometimes it can shift to more of, you know, some of those symptoms we talked about sound very similar to depression or can even have some more anxiety about particular things. And a lot of that depends on the person or the type of trauma as well. But it can originate as PTSD and then maybe long term shift to more depression, anxiety. Take care of it. Yeah. And also can lead to, if they're wanting to numb, like drug or alcohol abuse or Mm -hmm. suicide or anything like that to try to avoid. So obviously then PTSD needs, if they're experiencing that, then they need to reach out for, they need to reach out for help. What does treatment look like? Psychotherapy? Yeah. And there's a couple of different things. So you, when you're looking for treatment, you really want to look at someone, a therapist that has some experience treating trauma. So that's like the key word. There's also different types of treatment. So some people will do cognitive behavioral therapy. 
which is really working with your thoughts and feelings and how to shift a lot of those things. If they've had a lot of trauma, one of the big ones I really recommend is EMDR therapy. Um, And you have to have a special certification for that, but that really works with dealing with the trauma at the core. It's kind of a specialty therapy, but that's, that's really specific for trauma. And then, yeah, a lot of that can also include, you know, family therapy or marriage counseling, you know, to deal, help the partner also deal right. with the trauma and, and all that, too. Because a lot of times we see the relationships aren't going well in those times, too. You had mentioned strategies before and you had said grounding. For mm-hmm. anybody that didn't listen to episode four, what is grounding? So kind of one of those ideas for grounding is kind of bringing you back when you're having that flashback or, you know, those those negative thoughts is you look around you and we we really look at like senses. So you, f- you know, find something you see, something you can smell, something you touch, something you feel, like all of your senses, hearing, all that to to get yourself back in the present moment. And so that's really helping you again with breathing, you know, get back to the present moment, realize like okay, I am in a safe place right now. I'm not experiencing that trauma again. You know, it's kind of stops you from re-experiencing over again too. Right. And breathing, I I I read somewhere about something called square breathing, which I thought was really cool. It's like you pick a number and it so it's like 3 and you like inhale for 3 seconds and then hold it for 3 and then exhale for 3 and hold it at the exhale for 3 more seconds or whatever yeah. your number is. Yeah. And I like that cuz it gave me something to like focus on right. rather than just right. hey, breathe, Joyce. It's like, right. okay, well, how am I supposed to do that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are the steps to breathing? So, okay, so communicating about PTSD, it's it's going to be important if somebody is feeling that to reach out and ask for help. But it can also prove to be very difficult for them, too, because they might have other feelings layered on top, like shame or guilt or grief or more anger at themselves for feeling that way. So knowing that they need to reach out for help and that it's also difficult, what advice do you have for someone to help with facing that extra layer of emotions. Well, and a lot of people, I think, don't reach out for fear of being judged or, you know, we kind of like compare traumas, whose trauma is worse than others. And really that does not matter because... I like to say it's your body, your mind, your soul. It happened to you. If it's traumatic to you, that's all that matters. So I think people, you know, also trying to feel like they're not going to be judged. And so ideally they'll find a therapist or counselor that will create kind of a judgment free zone or a group, you know, there's mm-hmm. lots of good groups too. So I think that's the key and they don't feel like that, then they can switch and try somebody else. You know, not everybody's going to be a good fit, but I feel like that's what really prevents a lot of people from seeking counseling yeah. and, or especially with trauma or they don't, they want to, They'll have to tell their story yet again to someone else or, you know, which is also traumatic in itself. They don't feel like they're entitled to feel a particular way because, yeah. yeah. A lot of times, too, you know, when I deal with people with trauma, I might hear the story like once to get information. But then we don't really talk about the actual trauma a lot Mm -hmm. unless that's what that person wants. You know, really we focus on moving past it and moving forward. And so I think keeping an open mind to that, that you may have to initially, but it's not like you're going to go in every time and relive the trauma, basically. Right. Trauma definitely, definitely changes us. Mm -hmm. And I think you already said how it can have an effect on your, on your brain. It affects us, you know, mentally, physically, and emotionally. And I know 
like a lot of us might want to go back and and live prior to mm-hmm. said trauma right, trauma right. like let me just go back to a world that used to be but it, it's um it's almost like that sense of safety can be mm-hmm. just gone so what can women remember to do here to help establish a new, I guess, line of safety. It's not going to be identical. It's not going to be the same. Right, right. Well, and that's what I tell people. Like, they're in charge of their story. And even though this traumatic event happened and it feels like they lost a lot of control of their own life, they are still in charge of a lot of aspects of their story. That trauma is just a piece of it. It's not their whole story. It doesn't have to be their rest of their life. And so I really encourage people to think about how they can use the trauma for good or how they feel like they can have gotten stronger because of that that that's happened too whether it's you know a cancer diagnosis or some other kind of tragic event and so then it's really about like empowering and taking back what you can control and that sense of control in the small everyday things and then working towards rewriting your new story right it won't be the same as before but it's new and something different and still good right I like what you said there about control because I'm a control (laughs) freak and uh, a few things that I've heard you say before that I think are really valuable to keep saying again and again is to let go of what you can't control and focus on what you can and then I think you almost even said this again a second ago but that in regards to acceptance of this is part of your life it may be part of you but it doesn't define who you are either like I think those are important things to remember and um sometimes that's a work in progress for me but not easy well and I think that's a big thing with anxiety disorders or even like stress disorders because we stress about things we can't control right Mm -hmm. I mean it causes it causes me stress like or worrying about things or I want things to go a certain way and they don't so it causes me stress or anxiety and so a, a trauma is just that amplified right Right. because it's like even a bigger thing and so I think that's the big piece of that loss of control and why it can be so you know powerful to our egos and our mental health basically too right because then we realize we really have very little control over so many things right yeah that's a little frustrating Mm -hmm. but but when you focus and you make that little shift and you focus on those little things that you can't control that is that in and of itself is empowering I like what one of my friends told me because I know I've said this I said this before but after having gone through cancer I don't like going to the doctor Mm -hmm. it takes me forever to get out of the car I just I, I freeze and it can be exhausting and I was telling my friend about that and she said that well, when you go in, like every time you go in and you face that, it might be hard, but it's almost like it loses that power over you a little bit. It might not be a sudden like rip off the Band-Aid, it's right. gone, yeah. but you're a little bit stronger each and every time that you go. And right. partly because you're creating these new paths in your brain mm-hmm. that like this, okay, well this time this happened right. and it's not an always going back to, well, last time, every time I come here, it's going to be this particular way. way. You're yeah. getting new experiences. And so mm-hmm. I like what she said when she said that every time you go it and you face that, whatever it is, that's bothering you, yeah. then it loses a little power. Well, I think that's kind of right. Like building resiliency, right? Cause resiliency is like doing hard stuff. No, you don't want to do, but still doing it. And I think we don't give ourselves enough credit for still doing it those things even though it's hard and we don't like it because we think oh I shouldn't feel this way but you're still doing it like despite that so I think that's really building that resiliency back up in you too 
Okay, so people, they can recover from trauma. They can recover from PTSD, which is incredibly encouraging because mm-hmm. if you're experiencing that, it sucks, mm-hmm. like royally sucks. So knowing that you can recover from that is incredibly encouraging. But I also read that it's not necessarily, tell me if I'm right or wrong here, but that's not something that you can just will yourself to get over. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's not one of those things like, oh, I'm just going to not <laughs> flip the switch. switch. Yeah. So it's, it's dealing with the trauma, it's dealing with the emotions from the trauma and processing, and that's really part of healing. And a lot of people just don't want to do that or they avoid, right. which prolongs treatment or their progress, I guess, to, I would say. To have the ultimate healing right. yeah. moment. Yeah. And so I think it is something that you can achieve. And I think that's the thing, and the trauma is always going to be there or have occurred but you can, as a person, not let it affect your day-to-day life. And it right. just takes time and a lot of work, too. Right. I like the um, analogy that I had heard is that, so like if somebody breaks their leg, right, mm. it's not going to immediately just right. heal. It takes, it's going to take time and it's going to take some attention yeah. to it. So same kind of thing here. It's going to take time and it's going to take attention. Yeah. So how can people, if their loved one or their, their friend, if they notice that their friend is experiencing some of these symptoms. What can a loved one do to help? I think the biggest thing is really not come from a judging place because I think that's the biggest fear of a lot of people is feeling judged or feeling like something's wrong with them. So really just trying to come from a place of understanding like this happened. I really think you need to talk to someone or, you know, I'll go with you or help you make the appointment or look, whatever. Like I think trying to be supportive. And one of the things about being supportive, it's not like, Oh, don't worry. Things will get better. Right. You know, buck up. Like it'll be fine. Brush it off. Don't worry. You're fine. You're done. Like look at all what you did. You don't need to worry about that. That's not really helpful. (laughs) It's acknowledging that what happened to them is crappy and they're going to feel crappy and it's okay that they feel that way. Because if you brush it off like that and go, oh, don't feel that way, like you look at all that you did, then that could have the potential to increase that amount of shame and isolation lid that they want to put on things to not reach out because, Mm -hmm. okay, maybe they're right. Maybe I shouldn't be feeling this. I just need to get over it. And it just makes it harder to... yeah. Well, and very dismissive of what happened, you know, like of the trauma or whatever experience they've gone through. And, and then I think then people are like, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't make such a big, you know, and then question themselves and then don't reach out to get help, like you said. So, so if it, somebody is the one that is feeling these things or think that they might have an issue and that they need to reach out for help, but they, maybe that they're scared because of how Mm -hmm. that judgment that you said before, like what, what advice do you have for them in, in that moment? I think to breathe, <laughs> that's always number one. Take a few deep breaths. Okay. But also knowing that you have experienced a trauma and you have a right to feel how you feel. Mm-hmm. And you need to probably talk to someone about that. Whether it's a counselor, you know, there's lots of access to counselors now. I mean, mm-hmm. you can talk to people online. You right. can do something locally. There's lots of different things So it's finding someone, I think, to talk to and process the trauma with, but also knowing that you have a right to feel what you feel and because of what you experienced. And don't really let anyone else defer you, you know, because they don't understand. Yeah. And I want to add this, too. If you are experiencing that, you're Mm -hmm. not alone. The number of people that I have talked to that have gotten like, oh, my God, I thought that was only me. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, it's not. Like, it's. 
it's part of the healing process that just people aren't talking about. Right, yeah. It's that emotional element. When I think that's been a thing is people haven't talked about it for so long and then they feel like they can't and then they get more isolated. But I think, you know, and that's one of the things with the group and suffering with your podcast to talk about these experiences because you're not the only one that's having them. It's very widespread. Right. And if we talk about them amongst each other, then more people hopefully will get help and deal with what's going right. on. And heal so right. that you can live your best life possible right. and move forward with things. So for those that have not heard episode, wow, I can't talk. For those who have not heard episode number four on emotional healing, review with us how can they find a therapist. So if they're local, we gave them your, you know, your website, yeah. but how can they find somebody? Google, Google, yeah. you Google everything. Mm-hmm. I know, right? <laughs> they have a lot of online directories too. Mm-hmm. Psychology Today is one. There's like several out there that you can really be specific and like filter it out for your insurance or your zip code or the different types. So the couple of therapies I mentioned before, like EMDR and CBT, you can filter the, that out. Then they have a little profile, so then you can read and get a feel for the therapist first. A lot of people have websites now, so I think Google it 100% right, is like right. where to go. Some people will have like social media pages and things like that. You know, your insurance company may have a list, but I think that's going to be your best bet. Because I tell people, like, don't just go off who your insurance company says. Like, it needs to be a good fit. It doesn't, yeah. Go and read their profile, look at their website. Like, feel like you get to know them somewhat before you make your decision. Right. Because I think that's half the problem with finding people is it wasn't a good fit not necessarily they're a bad therapist it just doesn't match up right and and if you and just make the call just make the call and go and if you go and for whatever reason Mm -hmm. it's not a good fit that doesn't mean that the whole process is not a good idea like find somebody else yeah definitely so people might not choose to have a traumatic event happen and they might not choose you know ptsd Mm -hmm. to develop as a result but they can choose to heal Mm -hmm. so I guess a couple things to remember here. One, as we said, they're not alone. They're not the only ones. And it's not their fault either. It sucks. really freaking sucks. But it's not their fault. Mm -hmm. And then also knowing that there are strategies and coping skills in order to work Mm -hmm. towards healing. And just kind of a reminder for anybody that's local, you have this incredible class that's coming up here. And it starts in September, right? Yes. Beginning of September. We're offering two different times, too. So we'll have a... Tuesday evening class. Tuesday evenings and, and Saturday mornings. Saturday mornings yeah. starting um, in September, and the exact mm-hmm. dates are on um, both yeah, our website right. and on yours. So yeah. togetherweather.org and building, building blocks.solutions. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I have one final question here that I want I want to end with that um, I like to ask everybody because I think it hits at the heart mm-hmm. of what I'm trying to do here with this whole podcast is to help women know that they can weather their own storms and that they're not alone. So. What is one thing that you would like women diagnosed either today or tomorrow to walk away knowing? I think that there is help out there and not just medical help, but emotional help. They'll see a lot of doctor offices and have visits and, and a lot of people follow those kind of, there's a handbook for that, right? We know you have this kind of treatment, you do this. There's not one really for the emotional side, but there is help. And sometimes that can feel the most overwhelming and confusing. And then I think people don't feel like that's a need because they're just trying to survive and deal with the diagnosis, but it's a huge need and it will help in the long run to get help for that too. So I always tell people whether you just want to start off with like a group 
before you try a therapist, something like you're not alone. And that's a real thing that really happens. I mean, Mm -hmm. I know you've talked to people. I've talked to people that have come to me for counseling, not even for their breast cancer stuff. But when we end up talking about it, they have the same, they go through Mm -hmm. the same kind of experience as far as emotions and stuff, but they feel so alone. And so I think that's the biggest thing is to talk with someone about that and know you're not alone and know that you can feel better and it will get better. Right. And kind of piggybacking on that, like, yeah, when you're told that you have cancer and you have to heal physically, Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, kind of like you said, there's these ladder rungs of step-by-step, okay, you get this answer and then you find out, do I need chemo? Do I not? And Mm -hmm. they kind of tell you what you need and how to go about this journey. And it's terrible and horrible and nobody ever wants to walk that walk, but you're kind of given a little bit of direction. Mm -hmm. But the emotional healing is just as big a part of it. And it, for me, I don't feel like I can I can hold right. see it quite as easily. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But kind of shifting perspective a little bit, like the reason why I tell everybody that comes to me and says, I have been diagnosed mm-hmm. with cancer, can you help walk me through this step by step? One of the very first things that I tell them to do is to find somebody mm-hmm. to go and talk to because I feel like, one, it's going to be helpful. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll already have that space carved out for them when the going gets really tough yeah and because at that point it's going to be like you can't handle one more right right, right. um and then and then also like knowing that in that moment when you feel like the world is just falling apart and you don't have control over anything that's something you can control Mm -hmm. you can do that research you can do like google you know and find a good fit that's something that you can take ownership of at that moment in time Mm -hmm. and it is incredibly helpful. So yes, emotional healing is definitely a thing and it's definitely possible yeah. too. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and joining us today. Really You're welcome. Appreciate having fun. you. <laughs> and thank you to all y'all at home listening. We appreciate having you here. Please remember that you are not alone. So yes, if you've been through breast cancer or you're currently going through it, pick up that phone and call somebody to help you heal emotionally too. I look forward to talking with you guys again next week. Until then, remember that together we weather this storm. You are never alone.